On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with Nicholas Bale, founder of The Billion Dollar Body. We discuss the three key steps to ultimate health, wealth, and relationships, taking 100% responsibility, and one of the key foundational truths of life. My name is Aidan Vokolo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Uh, Nicholas, you're the founder of Billion Dollar Body, helping men reach their potential in health, power, and confidence, a top 30 under 30 influencer, and have personally coached over 600 clients. Tell me, what was life like growing up for you and where did the idea of Billion Dollar Body come from? Yeah, it's a really good question, man. A lot of it was came from my struggles as a businessman. My dad was the business owner. I got to see what he went through when it came to having to bring business home and how business and finances really affected our family life. And my uncle was a business owner as well. And both of them got really crushed in 2008 here in America when economy basically collapsed. And a lot of the service-based businesses and product-based businesses really took a hit because people weren't just spending money for no reason. And so my life, like, man, I had a lot of problems with my parents splitting up when I was a kid and got a lot of anxiety from that. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know how to make them all happy. But through that process, I also learned a lot of things. Like I said, my dad being a business owner, I learned that you could just exchange value for dollars at a young age. So I could make money on demand. I had uh, many times before the age of 10, thousands of dollars in my savings account because I would just go out there and mow lawns and weed whack and do these things to make money. But I didn't really have a reason to be a business owner or an entrepreneur besides to provide for myself. And me and my dad actually had a big falling out when I was about 13 years old. I didn't talk to him for about three and a half years. And throughout that period, I lost pretty much any vision that I had for my life. On top of that, I graduated from high school to 1.8 GPA. And during that process, I gained 60 pounds. So now we help these men become three-dimensional is what we call it, which is prospering in health, wealth, and relationships, mostly because through my journey and failing over and over again, I realized that there are three things in every man's life that cannot be outsourced. And if they cannot be outsourced, we should probably get good at them because we can't run away from them. Those three things were their relationship with their intimate lover, right? You have relationships with your family, your friends, people that are like family, and then a network. You have your health, which is mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional. And nobody can... You can get help. You can get a plan to follow, but you physically can't have someone eat for you. And you can't have someone move for you. And then when it comes to wealth and being a provider as a man, I worked specifically with men who own businesses. And I knew that it was our moral obligation to cast that vision and to build something that's growing or would never reach our full potential. So throughout that process, man, I, I really failed in all of those. Like I said, 60 pounds overweight, 1.8 GPA. And even when I got into business, I didn't produce more than $3,000 in a month for three years. So my goal now is to take these men that are on a similar journey to help them gain the skill sets, gain the network, and gain brotherhood to be able to empower them to be able to actually prosper in those three areas of their life. Definitely helping men um, you know, take back control of their health, wealth, and relationships can definitely help them sort of be better versions of themselves. Well, um, physically, like if they aren't doing that right now, like they're literally living life in a way that's agitated, in a way where they're not happy. And I already know this because that was me. Like no matter what, how much you achieve money-wise, if you're not feeling good every day, like legitimately, you'll still have insecurities. You'll think about your money when you're out in public, but nobody at the gym 
and nobody at your daughter's birthday party cares about how rich you are. Because in each environment, you're only honored for certain things. Like at the gym, if you're not fit, no one cares about your bank account. If you're at a business event, no one cares how fit you are. Like you, it matters how much money you have. When you're at a relationship thing, like people only care about relationships. And so no matter what, like all these areas of life cause insecurities if we don't feel confident and feel like we have control over them. And so really it's like, I know already that people are struggling with it. And the reason why is because I, I went through it myself, man. And it was definitely a tough journey. And I appreciate you creating spaces like this so that people can have breakthrough and not have to go through the three years of crap that I went through to just build a business. Like they can legitimately take the ceiling that you and I have and make it their floor that they start out at. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. For sure. Are there any common areas out of health, wealth and relationships? Are there any ones you try to focus on first when you're helping men? So I really focus on the actual personal development of the man because I truly believe that the man who shows up in the situations of health, wealth, or relationships, who that man is can transform that specific result. So I really focus on like, what do they want out of life? Why are they doing what they're doing? And how can we tie like what they want out of life, why they want it to actually get them to do the things that it's going to take to go out there and do it. So I very much so focus on the man first. And generally, like that's around wealth. 66% of our 2,400 members want to go out there and actually build, like make more money. That's the number one reason why they come in. So the big thing for us is like we give people what they want and then actually we sell them what they want and we give them what they need. And so we show them that, hey, like without going out there and transforming yourself, transforming your relationships, transforming your health, you're not going to be able to go out there and build that business that you want. But definitely focus on how can these men gain power and confidence themselves so that when they show up in that area of their life, their health, relationships, or wealth, it's really not either of those. For each man, their motivation to become powerful and confident is different. Though I do focus on the man because I truly believe that if I were to take someone like yourself who has all these expertises, and if I take one of our guys that don't have an expertise in the area that you have an expertise, if I were to put you in their situation, you would make it work. Like you know how. You feel confident. You feel powerful. You understand how to create results in those areas. And so really, I try to figure out, man, like what results are they really trying to create right now? And we focus on them first, empowering them, giving them the confidence, giving them clarity of vision, and then equipping them with the actual tactics to be able to produce results. Yeah, it definitely does come back down to that sort of character and identity component first and foremost, because I guess you can have all the skills and all the tactics, but you know... You've got to also be the character that can wield those, you know, tools and tactics to to make progress and move forward. Tools and tactics are not what are missing right now from anyone's life. What we found is that every single man knows that they should probably be eating healthier and probably should be getting more exercise to become fit. They already know this, but they're not doing it. And so we really focus on how do we get men to take action on the things that they already know, go produce a result, and then go learn something new. We call it just-in-time learning. They learn based on what they need to know today, like to solve the problems today, not based on like some theory that they're going to have five years from now. We help them apply the things they know, get results and figure out what problems do they need to solve today that are going to move the needle forward. That sounds like it sort of overcomes that sort of, you know, perilous by analysis, having too many options and and too much knowledge going on in your head, not being able to sort of execute on any of them. With just-in-time learning, it sounds like it's people can then or men can apply it almost straight away, basically, when they need it, as they need it right now. A hundred percent, man. It's a really good point. And I used to think back in the day that I needed to be really successful. I'll tell you the truth, actually. 
I used to think that before I go to the gym, I had to be super fit. Like this was one of my earliest fears that just made no sense. I remember being about 16, 17 years old. And I was like, man, I want to be fit, but like I'm too scared to go to the gym because if I go to the gym and I don't know how to use the equipment and I'm just not that strong, I'm going to be embarrassed. So I was like, how can I get like strong and fast and fit without going to the gym? And the same thing happens in men's lives where we're like, man, like I'm just not successful enough to show up to networking events. I just don't think that I make enough money to invest in myself. I just don't know if like, I'm ready for a relationship because I'm just not that good at relationships yet. And the biggest problem around it is that the, it keeps us from doing the very thing that's going to give us progress. And that's what happened to me. I was scared to go to networking events because I was a carpet cleaner for two and a half years, dude. I made $1,200 to $1,600 a month for two, two and a half years working full time in a physical labor job. And I physically was too scared to go to networking events. I didn't know how to invest in myself. And that's what caused me to fail was that I thought once I become successful, then I'll invest in myself. Once I become fit, then I'll go to the gym. Once I know how to master relationships and I'm perfect, then I'll get into a relationship. Problem is those days will never come unless you take action. Do you remember the moment that you made the switch, that you made the realization that you didn't have to be, I guess, super fit to to go to the gym? Yeah. So this is the thing is like people are always looking and I was looking for this like silver bullet of how do I just break these insecurities off of me? No, what I did starting out is a stepping stone to where I'm at today. So what I did first is I went to a city that I knew I knew nobody at and I got a trainer and I went out there and for a year worked out with a trainer in a city that I knew I knew nobody in because I didn't care about like random people judging me that I didn't know. I was afraid of running into my friends from high school that would think I was a loser if I didn't know how to work out. And those were insecurities. Like those were immense insecurities. And the people that I'm talking to right now, like we all have different insecurities in different areas of our life. And I'm just not afraid to talk about it because this is what's helping our other guys as well. And so I was super insecure about it. So I found a city that I could go out there and take action and get help. And I didn't feel like I was judged. So for people that are thinking like, whether it's relationships or health or wealth, right now think about, okay, if you are feeling insecure in these areas, who could you talk to? You know, like one of the big things that we talk about is allowing your mess to become your message. How can you tell the overcoming story, like the things you've struggled with that'll get people to relate with you? And then from them relating with you, you can lead them to an answer. And a lot of people are like, like, oh, does that mean that like if I'm struggling with something right now, I should broadcast it to the world? I'm like, well, that would kind of be like me back in the day going to this really fit gym with all my friends. I just wasn't there yet. And so if that's not where you're at, then find one person that maybe doesn't even know you. Like call a random person, there's hotlines out there and tell them a problem that you've been going through and just get a little tiny bit of breakthrough that gives you momentum. And you realize that no one's judging you the entire time. Like legitimately all of a sudden I realized that people are so only thinking about themselves that they don't even notice me in the gym because they're already worrying about their own insecurities, wondering what everyone thinks about them. So they're not even noticing me. That's so true. So, you know, so often we think everybody's judging us in the street. Um, <laughs> no, nah, dude, they're just worried about themselves. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's, and I guess you, you can apply it to your own life. Like we often don't judge other people, you know, maybe for no more than a couple of seconds, tops. So the, the chances of other people judging us, you know, for forever or, you know, minutes on end is, um, is quite minimal, if, if not non existent at all. 100%. What are some failures that have taught you the most throughout your journey? Yeah. So there's obviously a few different ways to learn. 
And they say a wise man learns from his own failures, but an even wiser man learns from someone else's failures. And I would love to say that I'm the wiser man, but not all the time that's the case. Though I would say that the mentors that I've had, the help that I've had has been an immense help to accelerate what I'm doing. So a lot of the failures that I've learned have been from investing in people that have made failures before me. And I've been able to learn what their failures were so I didn't make the same mistakes. But for me, some of the biggest failures that I made were not taking 100% responsibility. One of the biggest things in my life is I found that the only areas of my life that aren't progressing and changing right now are only the ones that I've not taken 100% responsibility for the outcome of it in my own life. So like when I was blaming other external or internal environments about my health, nothing was changing. It wasn't until I was like, okay, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. What do I need to do going forward to make this result happen? And I remember in business, when I was sitting there not making any money, I was carpet cleaning every day. It was like one day I went home and I was just like, you know what? I've been hoping that one day I get lucky. I've been hoping that one day I'll win the lottery. I was hoping that one day my wife would make us rich. I was hoping that one day I would get lucky and I'd find out that Bayer Aspirin in, in Germany actually was a descendant of my family and I'd get a fat royalty check. Like I was thinking and dreaming about all these scenarios that I couldn't control and ultimately was blaming things that were not inside of me for the results that I was producing. And it wasn't until I came home one day and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go all in. If I want to make six figures, if I want to make seven figures, if I want to have a life of freedom, if I want to like create all these results, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And I found that the only time I can see progress in my life is when I took a 100% responsibility. And I feel that that's the foundation of success in any area of life. And instead of looking at tactics, which is what most people do, I like to look at the foundational truths that I can bring with me into any industry at any time, at any time of life. Whether I was born in uh, 1000 BC or born in 3000 AD, that I can actually use those principles to have a successful life. And taking 100% responsibility is definitely one of those principles. What does 100% responsibility look like for you? Everything's my fault. And everything that I produce is also because of what I've done. So for me, the biggest thing is that I look at my success as a group effort. I look at my success as the mentors that I've had, the teaching that I've had, the education that I've had. But also I know that I've had a hand and that I take 100% responsibility for the wins that we produce. But equally on the other side, inside of a company, inside of my marriage, inside of my own health, everything that does not go correctly is 100% my fault. End of this end of story. That is the very beginning of taking 100% responsibility. Oh, someone ran your, ran a car into your house. Like it's your fault. Oh, someone drove your car and ran it into a wall. That's your fault. Someone in your business stole from you. It's your fault. Someone, your hundredth employee messed up on a social media graphic and made a mistake. It's your fault. Like everything's your fault. And that if everyone does that, that's a culture of excellence because we also teach inside the company. We teach inside the relationship. I have to do it, but then my wife does it as well. And when two people take 100% responsibility, it creates a massive culture of power. But first, it starts with one person. And that's knowing that the results that you're creating in your life are your fault. So if you're not happy where you're at right now, the first step of taking 100% responsibility is to look at... And I, I learned this I, largely to one of my Navy SEAL mentors. I've have, had him as a mentor for nine years. And before this, I really was a guy... Like Before I act like... You know, I just take 100% responsibility and I'm so committed and all this crap. That wasn't me. When I first, I remember like 
being in high school and I was on the wrestling team and I would always skip workouts. I would act like I knew them and my coach would think I'm amazing, but I knew deep down inside that I was skipping workouts. And then I would lose at a tournament because I didn't have enough stamina. And then I'd blame it on the fact that like I got unlucky or like something happened. And I did this all the time. And so one of my Navy SEAL mentors, I realized how committed he was and how he took 100% responsibility for everything. And one time he lost $250,000 in a day. And I just remember looking at him and like, I would be crushed by that because I'd be like, man, like what happened? Like I got so unlucky. And he said, no, like what I'm going to do is I'm going to accept the reality that I'm now $250,000 less rich. And I'm going to figure out how I can accept that new reality and move on and improve by 5% tomorrow. Because all I know is that being in delusion of where you're at is not going to help you get any further forward. But accepting the reality of where you're at right now is okay. Because people think that the reality of where they're at cannot be changed. But he knew that through accepting responsibility, he then could change that result similar to Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's inspiring to me because he was so fit, yet he covered up every good part of his body and only exposed his calves when he worked out. And the reason why is because his calves were the worst part of his body out of his whole physique. They were too small. And most people would hide their calves and show their arms. Why? Because they think that they'd just been blessed or like, you know, cursed with small calves. Whereas he looked at it as that was an area he wanted to focus on because he knew it could change. And if he focused on it, he can make them bigger. And so accepting responsibility looks like wherever you're at in your life, actually recognizing where you're at, accepting where you're at and figuring out how you can move on from there. That's often such a tough thing to do, to accept exactly where you stand, right where you are, not wishing you were somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, that's what it takes. Like, If success was easy, everyone would be successful. Like, The definition of mediocrity is just being like everyone else. So even if everyone was successful, nobody's successful, actually. There's still going to be someone who's actually successful. So if you want to be successful and you don't want to be mediocre and average, which is just being like everyone else, you're going to have to do things that mediocre and average people won't do. And because people are listening to podcasts and shows, I know there are those types of people. So is it hard? Yes. But is it right? Yes. And if you want to be successful, do you do it? Yes. So are you going to do it? Hopefully the answer is yes. You mentioned before about having these foundational truths, you know, that can go from, you know, anywhere from, you know, 6,000 BC to 3,000 AD. Are there any foundational truths that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I, I believe giving, like doing the right thing is a big one, but that's all based on like, what your moral compass is. But I think giving is such an interesting one that most people overlook. A lot of people, this is what I see in the theme of most of the men that I see. There's the men that are out there that are just trying to take, right? And then there's the men that are out there that feel like they're just giving and like never getting anything back. Like no one ever gives to them. Like they give everything and they, no one ever pays them. And what I found with these two different mindsets is that that mindset of thinking, man, I give so much, but I never get a return. So now I need to put my boundaries up and make sure people pay me and all this stuff. What I found from that person is that when they give, they give with strings attached. And so because of that, everyone feels awkward and they don't really feel like they're being given to, which means they don't actually want to reciprocate it either. And true giving is giving without expecting anything in return, knowing that by a foundational principle, a law, just like gravity, that it'll actually come back to you. And one of the like big defining stories for me that really shifted my mindset when it came around money and giving 
was there's a story about a guy here in California that he was driving down the five freeway, which is our main freeway that goes straight up and down California. And it was the middle of the night. So he pulled off on the side of the road. He went to go check out this hotel. It's the only one in the area. And he walked in and he asked the guy at the front desk. He was like, Hey, it's a hundred bucks a night. Do you think I could give you a hundred bucks and go check out the room? If I don't like it, I'm just going to keep driving. And the guy was like, absolutely, go check out the room. I'll take your hundred bucks. So that guy took the hundred bucks, but he ran to the bar next door and actually paid off his bar tab with it. And so imagine this guy's like in his hotel room checking it out, but that guy had already spent the money that he had given him to hold his deposit. So the bartender grabs the hundred bucks and he goes to this other guy and says, Hey man, remember the garage you fixed for me? Here's the hundred bucks I owe you. And the guy grabs the hundred bucks and looks at one of the ladies in the, in the bar and says, Hey, like, remember that hundred bucks I owe you? Here's that hundred bucks. That lady runs out of the bar, runs back to the hotel, gives it to her husband and says, Hey, honey, here's that hundred bucks that I owed you. Thanks so much. And it was the guy who owned the hotel. That guy came back from his hotel room that was checking it out and said, Hey, man, I think I'm going to pass. I'm going to go hit the road. Thanks so much, though. Took his hundred bucks back, put it back in his pocket and drove off. And I thought, that is such an interesting story because money, it changed five people's hands, but nobody lost a dime. Do you see that? Like nobody actually lost a dollar. The hotel person, owner, gave it to the bartender who gave it to the guy at the bar that gave it to the girl at the bar that was the wife of the guy who owned the hotel who gave it back to her husband. And all of them got paid off, but nobody actually lost a dollar. All it did was exchange hands. And at a very young age, this was the first law that I truly fell into. I was probably making about $40 a week at the time. And I would give away about $12 of the 40 bucks every single month to other people. And I would constantly ask, with the rest of my $28, what should I do with it? And I kept a record of this. And without doing anything different, a few months later, I was able to give away $540 in just one week. And it was a principle that just like somehow, like you can't give yourself into poverty. Like I've never found anyone who's generous and has given themselves into poverty. And I truly believe that giving, like that could be time, it could be things, it could be money, but truly being giving with what you have, it not only like blesses other people that come back to you, but it actually unlocks an abundance mindset inside of yourself where now you're thinking and operating differently and opening yourself up to bigger opportunities. So giving is more for you. That's why it says more blessed is the hand that gives than the hand that receives. And so like one of the practices that I do is I have a bunch of watches and a lot of these are style watches. They're not like a Rolex and all these other things. And so they're anywhere between like 150 bucks to $500. And one of the big things that I've done uh, for my sweaters all the way to my shirts and everything, shoes is people will come up to me and say, man, I love that watch. or I love those shoes. I just go, you want it? And they always say yes or no. And if they say yes, I give it to them. Why? Because I don't want myself to have this limiting belief that there's not enough out there for me to be able to give. And though it's helping the person, it's actually helping me because it's opening me up to an abundance mindset that there's more than enough out there for me, which gives off an energy, a mindset, a way of communication, which makes me way more abundant. I get way more from it. That's a really powerful story. And definitely giving as a, as a, um, a way to not only help yourself, but help others along their journey. Especially There's giving. nobody who's rich today that doesn't give. Like, mm. Guarantee it. Even stingy ass companies and stingy people that are all about themselves, they give because they know it comes back. And a good place to give is like 10% of your time, 10% of your money. It's a great place to start. Just 
cut it off the top. Don't think about it and give it to something that you really care about or that you believe in or a church that you're a part of or whatever it is. Like that's a great place to start. Like tax yourself on giving and maybe tax yourself when it comes to saving and investments as well. And I guess you'll find a way to make up that difference anyway. You'll adapt to the the 90% of what you have left. And that's what everyone else does anyway. Mm. People make like, they go from making $2,000 a month to $10,000 a month and they end up making no more money. They just raise their living expenses, right? So like my mentor always told me, Nicholas, your goal should be to live off of 50% of the income that you make. And if you don't like your living conditions with that type of income, then you should make more money. But you shouldn't raise your living expenses to meet the money that you make. Well, that, that's exactly the same thing my dad told me when I was quite young. He said it a little bit differently. He said, um, save more than you spend. And I always took that to be, you know, save at least 50% of what you earn. Yeah, which if, you, if everyone did that, everyone would be fine. Mm. Like that model doesn't not work for anyone. Yeah, would someone who makes 3000 bucks a month be super frustrated trying to live on 1500 Yeah, then go change it. But like they'll be really happy in 40 years if they live off 50% of what they make. Definitely. And it then allows you to sort of grow and, and not live beyond your means and, and take on all this debt just to fund a lifestyle that you want to maintain. Or, you know, yeah, when the economy collapses, you know, you might lose your job. And then, you know, having to, it's easier to sort of wind it back if you're only living on half of what you earn. Are there any for people, people out there that want to know the three main stages of money is you only have three core stages to master. Number one is production. Number two is actually keeping. Like, how do you save and keep and like make sure that you're not just blowing it all? And then you have investing, like growing the money. And you, you actually have this for every area of your life. If you really think about health, you're like, okay, first I have to know how to be healthy. Once I know how to be healthy, I have to know how do I keep this result after I can create it. And once you keep the result, you have to think, how can I make progress? How can I keep growing and building on top of this fitness level, this health level that I've created? Same thing happens with money. And most people don't truly know how to produce. That's number one, which means that the power's in your hands that if I stripped you naked, threw you in the middle of the outback, right? I think that's what it's called. The, what's it? What do you guys call it? Yeah, the, the outback. That's right. Yeah, with some aboriginals, mate. And I'll throw you out there some aboriginals with some petrol, mate. And you're stuck there. And you can go out there and boom, create wealth within the next 90 days. Be right back to where you're at. Why? Because you've built the skill sets to be able to produce, to become a producer, someone who can create money on demand. That if you got fired, you know your value to the marketplace, just as my dad taught me. First thing he taught me is to be a producer. Nicholas, what do you have that's valuable? Mowing lawns, weed whacking. Great. Then can you go exchange that value for dollars? Yes. Can you do that at any time? Yes, absolutely. And so now I can go create money. I become a producer. So first step is like to ultimate freedom and finances is being able to produce. Sure, definitely. And knowing your value is quite important too. Like I guess that comes wrapped into it. Knowing what value you offer, you offer the world and discovering that. And and knowing what the world values, Mm. like that's equally big. Like I could love talking about sports, but nobody wants to listen to me talk about sports. Like I think it's valuable because I love it. But for the most part, no one's going to like it. But you grab a weed whacker and a lawnmower and I guarantee you that you can do that and someone will value it. It's just, do you want to do that with your life? And so, you know, a big piece of it is what do you want out of life for sure? But I think people get so caught up thinking like, they have to do something that they love. No, everything that like Darren Hardy, who owns um, Success Magazine or he did, 
big influencer. He said 90% of the things he does every day, he doesn't like doing. It's just the 10% so amazing that it's worth it. For sure, yeah. There'll, there'll be there'll be things you do that you don't enjoy, but you sort of have to do. But if you've yeah, if you've got that high order ordering principle and you know where you want to go, you can um can definitely make the you know that ninety percent doable. For Heck sure. Heck yeah, it's way worth it, man. That leads in, in well to our final question of the podcast. Nicholas, what's your definition of the grind? <laughs> Fun, man. The grind to me is is being able to put in the repetitions to become great. Perfect. Repetitions every day. Nicholas, where, where can people find more about you and Billion Dollar Body? Yeah, man, I really appreciate you having me on the show first off. And for everyone that's listened this far, like I'd love to be able to connect on Instagram. My name's Nicholas and then barely, like Bayer Aspirin with an L-E at the end. And you can find me on, on Instagram, send me a message. I would love to be able to connect. Again, if you made it this far, that means that we're, we're like basically best friends now. We've spent like 30 minutes together. So would love to be able to connect there and appreciate you so much for having me on the show. And for the guys out there that want to, have this power and confidence to be able to prosper in every area and and be around people that are like that. We have a live event called bdblive.com. And this is only once a year. Sells out every single year. So if there are tickets left, I highly recommend that people grab one. For sure, definitely. Nicholas, thanks again for your time. Really do appreciate it all the way from the States. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Stories Behind the Grind. Please share the podcast. And if you're not already subscribed, be sure to do that right now. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a quick favor and rate and review the podcast. This lets the platform know that I'm doing something right and people like the content. It'd be a huge help and I'd be really, really grateful if you could. Until next time.